Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. I'm a licensed marriage therapist in the state of Missouri and an ASEC certified sex therapist. You can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com. Now today I'm interviewing Robert Bertman, uh, who's the founder of Family Budget Expert. After 15 years in the investment business, Rob decided to help parents where they need the most financial help, their budget. And through one-on-two consults, workshops, and speaking engagements, Rob helps couples find the money they need to pay back debt invest for future and reach their financial goals, even if they don't see eye to eye on money and kids are breaking the bank. I loved that particular <laughs> line because I was like, what kid isn't breaking my bank? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, so tell people a little more about what you do and why it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So um, I've been in the investment business for a long time and I thought I had my dream job. I was working for a company. We were managing investments and picking stocks and all this stuff and doing great. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to be there forever. Um, but then as I started having kids and my friends started having kids, I kind of realized my, my friends came to me and asked me for help, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, I'd, I'd love to help them. But the way that this, the company was set up and the way that most financial institutions are set up, they're not really set up to help somebody unless they have a large amount of money to invest, right? And oh, that's yeah. just not most of us. <laughs> no, no. It'd be nice if we were all in the 1%, but not yeah, so much. It would be great. It would be great. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so I decided after... A lot, a lot of conversations that I really needed to do something outside of the, maybe a traditional financial advisory role to help mm-hmm. people with money. So my original goal was to set up this online course where everyone could have access to do their financial plan on their own. Because, hmm. um, and I can explain it in a way that doesn't make it too complicated. So I went through this whole thing and I figured out, um, you know, I, I I set up this course and I like invested all this time. I put testers in it. And I built my email list up and everything like that. And I launched the course after like about nine months of doing that. Kind of like a baby, right? Yeah, kind of like having yeah. a kid. <laughs> and total crickets. I mean, literally no one bought hmm. the course. And so I circled back with everyone who said they were interested and said, what, what happened? And they said, well, you know, Rob, it's nice. I know what I have to do, but I don't have the money to fund the goals in the first place. I see. So I was thinking, okay, well, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, so then I thought, well, so they want the resource, but they can't afford the resource. So they're not going to buy the resource and they're just going to keep struggling. (laughs) Right. right. I mean, mean, that's how everybody handles money, I think. Right. In a lot of ways, I do something very (laughs) ironic. I help people that don't have money in their budget Mm -hmm. have to pay for a budget consult, right? To find more money in their budget. (laughs) So it's a little bit of a circle, but anyway, so that's why that's all I do. I mean, the average couple I work with, they can, we find about, uh, it's about 12% of savings that we can cut out without feeling like they're sacrificing their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of all like a little bit of waste here, a little bit of waste there on their terms. So I don't prescribe what anyone should or shouldn't do. I just, I help them figure out what they should do. What do you see couples struggling the most with when it comes to their budgets or a few things they struggle the most with? <laughs> yeah. So I'd say number one is that they're just not on the same page. Uh, yeah. m- most of us don't marry our, our carbon copies, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not marrying someone who sees eye to eye. They probably have different backgrounds. And even if they're pretty close, um, when we start talking about money, uh, it gets to be very personal mm-hmm. and especially spending. You know, no one, people don't argue, couples don't argue about their 401k allocations or how much they're putting in. <laughs> they argue about, oh, well, he spent too much money on this or she spent too much money on that. And it's very, very personal. Those attacks, I mean, you know, as a, as a marriage and family therapist, those attacks can seem very personal mm-hmm. because you're almost saying that, what you're buying is not 
worth it. It's not valuable. It's not valuable. I did read somewhere that actually when you look at male and female spending, uh, that around they spend actually on average around the same amount in a year, but females do more little purchases like mm-hmm. makeup or nails or this, and then guys will do a big punch purchase, like right. one huge things, like they want that tablet or they really want, I don't know, a drone. I'm trying to think of like electronic <laughs> things because that yeah, seems gadgets. to be the big thing. Gadgets, right. toys that are bigger. And like, so it looks, because the women are sometimes doing these little ones over time, it looks for the males like, oh my God, you're just constantly spending money. And for the females, like, well, you just spent this huge amount. Right. But it looks like it averages out. <laughs> what yeah. do you see? Yeah, it's, I'd say that's pretty close. I mean, usually as a couple, it's either death by a thousand cuts, you know, they have multiple transactions during the day mm-hmm. or it's, you know, we're, we do a pretty good job, but then we have a home improvement project or then we have, uh-huh. we buy a new car or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, we can help, I help diagnose that by looking at how many, how often are they actually paying for something by check, debit card, credit card, whatever. And mm-hmm. we take a look at how many transactions there are, not only how much they're spending in total, but that. So yeah, so that's number one is that couples typically aren't on the same page um, mm-hmm. because you know, men and women are different. Men and men are different. Women and women are different. Everybody's, everybody's different. Everybody's You're all unique different. snowflakes. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, so that's that's number... what I was taught as a millennial. So, <laughs> right. Um, so that that's number one. I'd say number two is just that most people, it's kind of intimidating. You know, budgeting is intimidating. Tracking spending, it we're taught. It, if we're not numbers people, then it just budgeting doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? Because who's going to sit down with an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, Oh, I hate dissect, Excel. Right. I hate it. Right. <laughs> I'd say 10% of the people that I work with, you know, and when I work with couples, mm-hmm. I'm using like if five couples is 10 spouses, maybe one of them is a numbers person, right? Oh, all right. And so the other ones, and, and that numbers person is not married to a numbers person. Mm-hmm. So, um, so budgeting is hard. And tracking spending is hard. And then you have that people feel like it's kind of hopeless, right? It's well, like so how do you help them with the budgeting thing? Well, so it, it's, um, so the budgeting thing, the budgeting process that I use, it's not the traditional pie chart, you know, this much going to housing, this much going to food, this much going to travel, clothing, whatever, um, gadgets, right? <laughs> it's more about what is the value of it to you or as an individual. And we look at things in three different categories. One is as an individual, because in any relationship, we need to keep our individuality. Mm-hmm. And there are things that we like to do on our own that our spouse or partner doesn't like or doesn't appreciate. <laughs> um, and then the, the other one is what can we do as a couple to make, make sure our relationship stays strong? And what are we spending on that we really value together? Mm-hmm. And then what are we doing as a family to spend money on as a family that we all value, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's step number one is just looking at what do we do in our lives that we enjoy? Um, and then we take a look at what do we do in our lives that we're just doing out of habit, but we could probably take it or leave it without feeling like we're missing out. And those are immediate either cutbacks or eliminate. So I guess I should back up that the process that I use instead of the traditional budgeting technique, it's called keep, cut back, eliminate. Okay. And so it's a simple three-step categorization on how to figure out if you're spending money that matters to you or if you're wasting it on your terms. Like I said, I don't prescribe. Go ahead. No, I was gonna, I was, it, said, yeah. it sounds like love it, hate it, neutral, right? Yeah. Like, so if I love it, you keep. Yeah. Um, if you hate it, then you're eliminating it. Right. And if it's somewhere in the neutral, then maybe you're cutting back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there are some things I like to say, you know, if, if someone were to look back on their credit card statement or their bank account statement or whatever, and they look at a transaction, would it actually bring a smile to their face? Meaning they're really glad they did it. They're glad they spent that amount of money on it. Mm-hmm. That's a keep, 
right? Now, if they love what they did, they love the experience, but maybe they feel like they spend too much, which that happens most of, most of the time that's in the dining out or entertainment category, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, then we say, well, we could have probably gotten away instead of spending 60 bucks, we probably could have spent 40 bucks instead. Mm-hmm. And still, still enjoyed your meal. Still or, enjoyed it. Yep. Yeah. So that's a cutback. You know, when you said you're their first category, I thought of my last I Love You purchase, and it was a pair of cowgirl boots, actually. Mm. And I was just like having this moment where I was like, you know, I'm just so proud of those boots. I wear them all the time. First ever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that would definitely be in my keep pile. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we get so caught up in this affordability thing. And yes, there are certain things that people can and can't quote unquote afford, but really it's about making a choice. Yeah. Right. Choosing not to spend in one area so you can indulge in another area. Yeah, exactly. So then the third one on your list. So is eliminate. You're right. eliminating. Keep, I'm still keeping you on track, I yeah, promise. No, that's good. No. <laughs> yeah. So eliminate are things that you look at it and you either regret it or it adds no value. Or maybe mm-hmm. you look at your bank account or credit card statement and say, I forgot that we were paying for this. Oh. And so it's like a subscription that you could cancel. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. So you just that's a hundred percent ramped down to zero. And normally when I meet with couples, there's really nothing in Eliminate because no one wants to give up or cut anything out <laughs> of it completely. Um, so there's a lot of cutback and a there's bunch definitely of I hate your spending. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually, I forgot to mention that in the keep category. So there's no veto power for, oh, for no spousal veto power. So if one spouse thinks it's a keep and the other one doesn't agree with that, we don't even... It's a keep for the it's couple. It's not even, you know, that's actually table. a good value for couples in general too. Um, mm-hmm. Even in my therapy, if if there's a problem for one person, it's a problem for both of you. You can't just say, well, that's your problem. You need to deal with it. It's <laughs> like, well, so am I supposed to hang out over here and just be unhappy and like hate you because you don't care? Right. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> right. I heard someone say something like, I don't, I don't love, or maybe something like, I don't understand, I don't understand why you would spend money on that, but I understand you and I love you. So mm-hmm. if that's important to you, then I'll accept it. That's a good, that was a good framing of that. <laughs> yeah. And, but what happens is we, that's couples get set up and they argue most about money and the things that are the most personal, personal to them as individuals, but that their spouse or partner doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. And so this process, we just take that off the table. You may not argue, you're, you can keep spending money on the things that are important to you, whether your spouse or partner believes it or not agrees with it or not. So then you can have a productive conversation on what you agree on, mm-hmm. on the other stuff. And you reduce any blame because that's the that's the biggest hijink I think that couples are getting into when they're talking about well, really any topic is this this blame of like, you do it this way and this is wrong. So the way, what you've essentially done is eliminated a blame game that could prevent you from making some successes in their finances. Do you see that a lot with the couples that you work with? Oh, of course. Couples love to blame each other. My first job <laughs> is to teach them to take personal responsibility and stop blaming each other. So, so what, what do you use? What tactics do you use to help So, well, a lot of it is getting them thinking about accountability. So like, even if I give someone a skill, I have the 15 fair fighting rules is a common one that I'll throw out there. I'll say, so the first thing people usually do is think of two or three rules on the list that their partner needs to change. And so my challenge to you is to not think about that, but to turn your thoughts inward to what are these on this list that I need to work on so that you're already getting them thinking of personal accountability. Because reality is couples are an interactive Mm. system, right? So there's parts that each of you play that make it hard for you to listen or work through an issue. And so as long as we're removing blame and each person is putting their own personal accountability in and they're trying then as a team to tackle whatever problem it is, whether it's finances, sex, 
drugs, whatever. Um, as long mm-hmm. as we're ad- addressing this as a team, then it makes it easier. And so it just sounds like you're using a similar approach. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, cool. Yeah. No, that's good to know. I mean, because I'm always looking to get better tactics. I mean, I'm by no means a, a therapist or counselor, <laughs> right? Um, but I uh, I always love learning more tactics. Well, if use. you can eliminate conflict, then why not, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what does the consulting process look like? So the consulting process is normally I meet with couples and every every meeting that we have, I require both people to be there. Okay. And it's very important because in fact, I had a meeting scheduled for last week, but one of the, one of the, I think the husband couldn't make it. So I had to cancel it because I'm like, I don't do it without both. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it's important because, you know, most of us in any relationship, there's like one financially dominant person, typically mm-hmm. either it's out of a controlling place or maybe it's out of a reluctance place, right? So either they're taking control because their spouse doesn't want to, or maybe they don't want their spouse to have control mm-hmm. for any number of reasons. Which um, is based on anxiety. So, you know, control is a response to anxiety. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. <laughs> so they're afraid. They're afraid of what will happen if they give up that control. Interesting. Yeah. So what happens is that financially dominant person picks someone to work with them on their family finances that's and then they validate them. their point of view instead of bringing in their spouse's point of view as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why when I work with couples, I need both of them to be there because both of them have uh, validity, I guess, to the, yeah. to the conversation and about money. Um, so the first step is I have a, a free discovery session where we talk about, it's 30 minutes. We kind of, I take them through a scale, different scales of like, how are you on working together? How are you managing your money and all that stuff? And just kind of get a feel for them as people and as a couple mm-hmm. and to see if I can help them and to see if um, if they want the help, right? How do you decide if you can help someone? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just sort of a feeling, you know? <laughs> I mean, you can tell when, I mean, first of all, they both have to be willing to be there. And yeah. body language is huge. You know, if they're, by the, by the start of the conversation, there's usually one spouse that has arms, typically the guy, right? Arms folded. <laughs> or the know. numbers person. <laughs> right, or the number, right. Arms folded, kind of looking away, you know, oh, turned no. away from their spouse because they're anxious about money. If, but but by, if, if by the end of the conversation, if they're not ha- exhibiting more positive body language, mm-hmm. then um, then I can, I'm actually giving away the keys. Maybe people could like hack my No, my they'll still process. need your help because they're still going to do this to each other and not listen. So Right. <laughs> And just kind of the way that they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, uh, whether it's a local one, people in St. Louis or or someone who lives anywhere else in the country, I always want to see them in person. So we'll do video chats in all sessions or meet in person. I don't like doing it over the phone. You're totally a therapist then, just yeah, without I- <laughs> the license. We do the same thing, although yeah. I will let people come individually here and there, but still with the goal of we're working as a couple, so. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes each individual does need work, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the first process. And if we decide to move forward, if both of us, all three of us mutually agree to move forward, then we do. And the first step is really kind of getting a lay of the land, right? So mm-hmm. the first, there's usually, there's four meetings after we engage in the process. The first meeting is getting a lay of the land. You know, what does their average monthly spending look like? Where are they at financially right now? Um, and then we do a lot on on goal setting. I call mm-hmm. it inspired goal setting because, you know, a lot of times it's hard for couples to understand what difference does spending an extra $10 on a drink have in the context of my overall net worth in 30 years? It's kind of mm-hmm. a really weird question. 
It's not that weird because you can spend $10 on a drink at a restaurant or you can spend $10 on a nice bottle of wine or 12 I mean, it depends on your range. There's, right. there's a whole debate about that. But you can still spend $10 on the entire bottle and eat and drink it at home. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, throwing that out yeah, there. Financial it, guidance. On your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, you can yeah. still do it with your spouse. That's so sounded addiction. Like, <laughs> like no, 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 no. Like, you get drunk if you want to or like, you know, drink in moderation if you want to too. But I'm just saying, yeah. if you're on a date with your spouse and you could have spent $50 on drinks at the restaurant, then you can also go home and like get a bottle of wine on your way home and enjoy it on your porch. And then you may have sex, by the way. For sure. For sure. <laughs> it accomplishes both of the goals of us working with Mutual couples. goals. Yes, right. mutual goals. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, you know, it's I, I think what happens is what, when people are making decisions in the moment, they don't have if they don't have clear goals, they have a trade off. They're not making a trade off. They're not saying if I do this, then I can't do that. Mm-hmm. They're just saying I can do this because it doesn't affect me or it doesn't it really impact where I'm trying to go. So, oh, okay. I, yeah. And most couples, they have the traditional goals. I want to pay for my kid's college. I want to um, um, save for retirement. And I want to um, pay off our house or maybe pay off my student loans or whatever. But honestly, these are all very boring goals. Right? <laughs> they don't. They don't really. You're not motiv- inspired. They're not inspired. <laughs> they don't motivate people to take action. Right. Gotcha. So we try to get more personal with that. And again, looking at them as individuals, what are their individual goals, family, and um, and as a couple. Right. I could see an inspired goal being I want to travel more. You know, like yeah. I want to see the world or something. So I could see cutting back to go to Italy, but maybe yeah. not cutting back for college. Right. <laughs> not that I don't care about my daughter's education. Right. I just, I'm seeing like, you know, in terms of, oh, wow, that would be great versus, uh, she'll go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she'll go. It'll be fine. Right. We'll get student loans later. Right. Well, I think the Italy thing is perfect because it's one thing to say I want to travel. It's another thing to say I want to travel to Italy, mm. you know? And then so the more, like my wife and I, our, we came up with our goal is at some point we want to be financially independent so that we can pick up and leave St. Louis and kind of live in a city around the country or around the world one month at a time, like absorb the culture, you know, rent, do an Airbnb or something like that. And just sort of, you know, kind of see the country and the world that way. And that's a l- more vivid, more, you know, um, it's it just more inspiring than I want to retire in 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, and most people don't even know what to do when they retire, by the way. <laughs> no. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, everyone has a different idea of what retirement means, mm-hmm. but I, so I try to just extract what that actually means. And then um, from there, okay, so that's the first meeting. So we say, where do you want to go? Where are you today, essentially, mm-hmm. right? So then the second meeting is, okay, how do we get there? And we, we do a real deep dive on spending. So spending is the most important thing. We wanna make sure that we're tightening everything up on their terms. So I take them through that keep, cut back, eliminate framework. And we there's a little bit of homework on the front end to make, get that happen. And basically the whole conversation is around that. And then the, th- the third meeting is we say, okay, now we freed up this money. Mm-hmm. Where should it go, right? <laughs> Where do we put it? Do we save, invest, pay back debt with it? Mm-hmm. So I have a, a wealth builder roadmap, which is basically save, invest, pay back debt and all that stuff and figuring out what they should be doing with every extra dollar to get to where they need to be. And then, um, and then the, so that's the third meeting. So by the end of those three meetings, they would have cut back their spending. Mm-hmm. They're communicating about money uh, together, right? And getting along. And now they know how much money they can free up and how much and where that money should be going. Mm-hmm. So right there, just that clarity is, uh, I mean, you can see people's shoulders drop down and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fourth meeting is a, is a follow-up about two months later. So we say, okay, we've taken it and ran with it. How's it going, mm-hmm. right? What tweaks do we need to make? Do you still 
you know, what were you struggling with? What are you having successes in? How can we continue to make this work going forward? It sounds like what you're doing is making little tweaks, but really kind of trusting them to take those tweaks and do them themselves. And I like that you actually have a system that like has a an end, <laughs> believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I'm not, hopefully I'm not kidding myself out of job here because there's not always a, an easy end in my job because we're working on problems that take a long time. For sure. Um, not all of them though, but like, I think that people, I don't know, I even me personally hearing that it's like, oh, okay. So it's just about three meetings with follow-up and that's nice because then it feels like most of this we're doing on our own, but then we're getting a little guidance along the way to help us adjust and not encouraging fighting. So that's always good. Right, <laughs> right. And, and um, yeah, so by the end, I mean, people just feel super clear. They're getting along. They, they like, have a roadmap. They've cut back their spending. I mean, I've had couples who have cut back their spending. A couple I'm working with right now, they they were spending about eleven or $12,000 a month, and now they're down to under 8000 with a goal at our follow-up to be under 7000 mm-hmm. And they have, they have two kids, you know, mm-hmm. that are school-aged. And it's totally doable. I just think now that they're putting more thought into it, they're communicating, mm-hmm. they're talking together, um, and they're finding all this extra money. Hmm. Um, but the average couple I work with, if they're spending, you know, eight or nine thousand or ten thousand dollars a month, they usually can find an extra one to two thousand dollars a month, which is like twelve thousand to twenty-four thousand dollars a year. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Where are they finding it? <laughs> now I just want to find money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Tell a- me your secrets, a wise one. <laughs> right. Well, a lot of it, obviously. Um, oh, the other thing about the budgeting process, and this is important, is through through this is that we actually identify one or two of the traditional budgeting categories like clothing, food, mm. home, um, travel, that they want to track their spending on. We don't want to track their spending on everything because it just gets too cumbersome. Oh. Um, so, so typically, after we do the keep cutback eliminate, we'll during that meeting at the end we will have sort of a a way to set them up on a weekly spending review, mm-hmm. where they just for five minutes together once a week they sit down and they look through their transactions. They look through their spending in one of those one. Uh, they're one to three main categories that they want to cut back on, mm-hmm. and then they look at their total spending compared to what's come in on the month. So. I'd say most people start with food because that's the easy one and the first one that comes to mind. It's the one you do the most often. Yeah. Eat. <laughs> I <Yeah>. hope. <laughs> right, right. I hope too. Um, yeah, so food tends to be a big one. Um, and w- what we found is that uh, sometimes it's not necessarily not going out. Mm-hmm. As it's, 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 There's a couple ways that they can do it. One is there are certain restaurants that they go to that they don't really like the food. They just go there because it's convenient. So they just don't go to those restaurants and they cook at home on those mm. days instead. Um, another one would be, you know, rather than going out to lunch every day, right, five days a week, you know, a lot of them are like, more in this meeting, like, I'm so motivated, I'm going to never go out to lunch ever again at work. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Monday and Tuesday, they do a good job. And then Wednesday, their buddy's like, hey, you know, let's go out to lunch. And they're like, okay. And they're like, well, I can't already- cook Indian at home, so <laughs> it's not going to stop for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But some people set these expectations that they can do it. Mm-hmm. So we say, well, how about rather than five days a week, why don't you just pick one day a week to bring your lunch and the other four feel free to go out. So we're kind of like- so you're even making small adjustments rather small than adjustments. big because people are very, um, well, it's like when people try to lose weight, right? They join a gym. They're like, I'm going to go five days a week and I'm going to go an hour every day. And then maybe they go once. The first week in January is the busiest week in the gym. And yeah. then after that, everybody is like, where did everybody go? You know? <laughs> That's how gyms make their money. Is they, they, it's people, in January. <laughs> well, they, they get the signups, but then no one comes. And so mm-hmm. they, you know, they don't need the full staffing or anything like that. They don't need to 
main, mm-hmm. maintain the equipment as much. But I mean, well, I mean, in terms of like changing behavior, right? I mean, what do you see are some of the best ways to do that? Well, actually, when I was hearing you talk, I was thinking of just research, right? Five minutes is easier to commit to than um, like a lifetime or even like an hour weekly sometimes is too much, right? Um, when I try to get people to do exercise changes, I try to get them to commit to five minutes a day and yeah. that's it. And um to believe that that's still an accomplishment somehow, because mm-hmm. I think that people have heard that uh, the logic of it has to be three times a week or it has to be an hour when you do it. And so when you're just starting to try and make a change, if you don't think five minutes is enough, then you won't even go out. And like we have these fun brain ways of like um, just talking ourselves out of it. So a lot of the tricks that I come up with, are I call them like little ninja tricks or Jedi mind tricks to get mm-hmm. you to do the thing to get the habit so that it becomes a habit. So you getting somebody to do five minutes a week is a perfect Jedi mind trick to get them (laughs) to just try something different, but also in such a small way. Because I was thinking, you know, like so many people, if you look at all of it, then sometimes that can be overwhelming. But if you're just focusing on clothes or you're just focusing on food, it's like, oh, okay, I can pay attention to this and make a little tweak. Mm -hmm. And I think you're giving people hope by... um, I don't know, helping them to feel like even that little tweak can mean a lot over time. Because everybody, you know, people just start to talk themselves out of it thinking, oh, there's no hope. I have to do these big changes or nothing's going to happen. So we just keep doing what we do. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, people don't usually make drastic changes unless something drastic happens in their life. Mm-hmm. And and by the time people are working with, with you or with me, mm-hmm. they have they have the desire for change, but they might not have had that event, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's that really compelling event. So if we can help inch them into change, then it's easier. So, you know, I, I just look at the 80-20 rule, right? So I, I could focus on all things financial, mm-hmm. but what's the, what's the biggest thing that will have the biggest impact? It's spending. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some clients try to jump ahead. They said, oh, I really want to start investing or focusing on that. It's like, you, if you focus all of your energy in the financial world into getting your spending cleaned up and intentional and prioritized, you know, because spending savings rate actually explains 75% of wealth. So most people who have accumulated wealth over time, they've done it through saving money. They haven't done it through making amazing investments or mm-hmm. that you know, one business idea, that you one know, business idea, right? <laughs> Winning the lotto. That's not how most people make money. Most people accumulate money that most people accumulate money by saving. Mm-hmm. So that's why I focus on saving because that's going to get them 75% of the way there. Right. And then in terms of habit change. So if five minutes a week, like you said, is better than zero. Yeah. And just getting the communication lines open, helping them understand each other. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's not easy, but it's simple concepts, right? Five minutes and it gets them to the change that they need. You know, when you when you were talking, have you ever read the book "Ordinary People, Extraordinary Wealth"? Mm-mm. It's it's totally about that concept that like the people who have so people who sometimes make it rich. There are people who are old money, so right. you, but I mean new money Especially people. In St. Louis, right? <laughs> yeah, St. Yeah. Louis. There's a few titans that are like, no, they've been around forever. Right. But there are these new. There's new money people, and the new money people are people who are doing exactly what you said. They've just incrementally saving and investing and saving and investing, and not even big investments like no. mutual funds. Their retirements. But like um, it, ordinary people, extraordinary wealth talks about different people's stories and how they got to be millionaires essentially yeah. because they were really strong and focused on the savings. Mm-hmm. Now I will say though, one thing I appreciate about your approach is you're still trying to give people a quality of life because I've definitely met some people in that area that have been saving their entire lives, and then when retirement happens, it's like they can't spend a dime. Right. Well, it's all habit, right? They've already gotten in the uh-huh. habit. So they're millionaires. Great. Right. <laughs> But they can't go travel. They can't go do anything. They almost are um, 
crippled by their money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it takes, I mean, to get, to make it to a seven or eight figure net worth on mm-hmm. your own, you have to have that mindset, right? Mm-hmm. But but the lifestyle thing comes into play. I think it's really important because you have to live your life along the way. And so yeah. like one of the things that I do after, after we find the savings, one of the things I leave them with is this rule I call the 50-50 rule, where basically any increase in income, like a tax, whether you get a tax refund, a bonus, you know, a second job, just take 50% of that money and add that on top of whatever they're currently saving. Take the other half and feel free to spend it, right? So if someone gets, let's just say someone gets a $10,000 raise, right? Take 5,000, add it to what they're currently saving, take the other 5,000 and spend it. Go to Italy. Like go to Italy, <laughs> right? Um, that, that gives people the best of both and it helps people feel like they're striking that balance and they're approaching this 50% savings rate on all extra money. Mm-hmm. And that would that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Because right? 10% is not enough to, mm-hmm. to get to people to where they need to be. But it once people ramp up their lifestyle to a certain extent, they cannot bring it back. It takes a lot of effort. So when we work with people, when I work with people, we cut it back a little bit and then we work on what happens when more money comes in. Here's what you do to, to put oh, turbocharger. That's smart actually, because I, I've definitely heard that as well from my clients that like they essentially just keep increasing their lifestyle with every yeah. raise and they still feel like they're living paycheck to paycheck. Right. <laughs> For some reason, we build our, in, our lifestyles into our income rather than building our lifestyle at regardless of income, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all want more and more and you know, bigger houses, more traveling, more I've, going out. I just got a one-bedroom apartment. I really like less. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, if, if anyone's been a homeowner, they'd rather not have the home, right? Yeah, no, that, that was the it. one change recently that I was really appreciative of is not having a house. I can contact my landlord when anything bad happens. Yeah. And uh, walkability. I have a neighborhood where I can walk a lot. So it's like, I don't know, like I've learned simple is kind of nice. I used to want all that big stuff, but as I'm, as I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah. I'm realizing it's not worth it to have a bunch of things. Like yeah. things aren't even as fun anymore. You know, they say happiness comes from experiences. That's why I keep promoting Italy people. <laughs> Italy's great. Yeah. <laughs> or France, your choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like you're trying to encourage people to um like it think about their lifestyle and then even as their finances are gaining, you know, because usually we hope we're making raises and more money, but like, yeah. no, 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 keep to your lifestyle, but just take that extra amount and put it towards that saving so you can keep this instead of like, maybe people just aren't, maybe they are putting the forethought into what they lo- they want their lifestyle to be. Right. It's just like time. I mean, I, I compare money and time all the time, um, but it's, you know, we all spend our time in different ways. We There's stuff that we do that's super valuable that we really enjoy. And then there's also things that we do that's wasteful, mm-hmm. um, but not according to anyone else, according to us. Like I probably, you know, could turn off, I probably don't have to watch like three episodes in a row. Maybe I could watch two, but if they want to watch the three, that's totally fine. You know no, what I mean? No, I need three. Right. Well, and that's totally fine, right? But but we all, you know, we make choices with our time. We make choices with our money. We make choices, but it's all up to us to figure out what, what to do. Um, and so... Um, yeah, I mean, money's the same way. I think at some point, like my wife and I, we have three kids. We, um, you know, my we're all moving along in our careers. We, we're 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 good. You know, mm-hmm. there's not much more we need. So as we have income, we're going to do more than that fifty fifty rule now. Mm-hmm. And that extra fifty percent, we can put it towards, you know, for people who have student debt or just other kind of credit card debt. You know, you take that fifty and throw it towards that and that save invest payback debt hierarchy I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. And then and then they accomplish their goals even faster. Now, are there any times when you decide you're not going to work with a couple and why? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I just try to be pretty honest. And if I can't, if they don't seem like they are ready, if they mm-hmm. don't seem like they are 
I can help them. I'm just, I won't engage. Is it when they do a throwdown in your first visit? <laughs> I've had plenty of fighting in front of me. Before. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and fighting is okay. You know, some, okay. some, as you know, some relationships are more volatile than others mm-hmm. and that's how they communicate. That's their styles. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so these people sometimes, you know, people, they apologize sometimes like, hey, totally cool. You know, I'm just, I'm here to listen. You're very passionate. <laughs> yeah, passion, right? Passion's important. In fact, I'd rather someone be passionate than apathetic when they're talking about this stuff. That's but true. you can just kind of tell, I mean, if someone reschedules on me a couple of times, I say, you know, it's not the right time. This mm-hmm. is not a priority for you. Because it's just like, you know, the excuse is I don't have the time or I don't have the money. It's not about the time or the money. It's about the perception of what the value is of that time and money. Because we all make time for whatever we, and money, whatever we want. Yeah. And so you can just kind of tell. Like if someone's just not committed to the process, they're not doing the homework, I, we part ways, mm-hmm. um, or there are other times in that discovery session where you can just kind of tell you're just not quite there yet. You're not, you're not, you're not quite ready to work together. Yeah. Well, I could yeah. imagine. Yeah. I was the, I was wondering if you would say if they did a really big fight, but it sounds like you're okay with people fighting to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> as I'd long as they're fighting towards a goal. <laughs> yeah. Let it out. I mean, yeah, let it out. I'm here to listen. And that's sometimes just the relief that people have after doing that. Now, most conversations are pretty civil, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, people try to. When you're there, you're at least a, a stranger, so you hope that there would be stranger shame, but yeah. not always. <laughs> no, and, uh, from, with me, for some reason, people just are totally okay opening up to me. Um, but the, I mean, and obviously there are those cases where I know that, look, this is, I'm over my skis here. This is more for a professional like you rather mm-hmm. than someone like me, right? <laughs> it's like, we have a bigger issue than finance here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, money, you know, you can always, I mean, money comes into pretty much every decision we make, mm-hmm. but you can tell when this is really deep rooted stuff that they need to get out. And I'm not, th- I'm not qualified to do that. <laughs> I see. So it sounds like when it's bordering on resentment around money or like when you say they're, it's actually probably better that they're fighting than if they're numb or apathetic because when people are numb and apathetic, they don't care anymore. Right. And I mean, it means they don't care to work at it anymore. I see that in the relationship too. When people go numb, that's a really bad, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> when you're numb in a relationship, that's likely a bad sign. <laughs> right. You know, you want to feel things, even if it is a little passion about some issues that you want to work through. So that makes perfect sense. Um, what are some of the... Of, of the different things that you do to help people with budgeting, what are some of the common things that you see that are like, okay, we're going to throw this out or we're going to throw this out? I know you mentioned food, but I'm curious even outside of that, like what are the ones that, or the fun ones maybe that you've used <laughs> to help people get off of the table? <laughs> yeah. You mean cleaning out their spending on things that yeah. they need? I mean, a lot of times, well, I was working with one client and they had just moved from another city mm-hmm. and uh, had never really reviewed spending. And look through and we saw this recurring thousand dollar charge every month hmm. and for the past six months. And we figured out that it was the rent that their their landlord was still charging them rent, even though they were out of the lease. Oh, wow. Still, yeah. So, so th- this person got in touch with the landlord, canceled that and got the money back. Right. Oh, wow. Um, and other things are, you know, now it used to be that, I mean, like Netflix is a monthly subscription mm-hmm. and, you know, people have like Netflix, Hulu, Spotify, and like all these other streaming services. So we try to figure out, you know, do you need all of these? If they do, that's fine. I mean, it's only, t- it's only They're really bucks. low, but right. actually $10 over time, it counts as something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But these companies are getting really good now at, um, at you know, now they're doing like Amazon Prime is an annual membership. Mm-hmm. So if you just happen to not look at your transactions that month, you forget that you're being charged 200 bucks for that. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone uses Amazon Prime, so no one, no one's like, I got to get rid of my Amazon Prime. No, I'm like, you're not taking my <laughs> no. Amazon Prime, Rob. Yeah, they can charge 500 bucks. I'm sure people I watch still do TV it. on it too. They've, they've got me roped in two ways. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say there's anything like all that exciting or, you know, interesting. It's more just what, what's, what's fun is just helping people come to real, the realization that this is not that important to them. Mm-hmm. They're, they've been habitually spending money on it without feeling like it's, they're getting any value from it and saying, let's just get rid of that. Um, so that's the marketing tactic. That's how people are roping you in to get you into subscriptions, like getting mm-hmm. you numb to the fact that you're spending their your money on them. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> if you see the same bill every month, you're like, oh yeah, like, there's oh, that bill again. And right. you don't even think, do I care about this? Like Spotify, for example, some people use it, but what if you never really, it's Spotify for music? Yeah, and what if, if you, you do Spotify Plus, they add Hulu in there. Not Hulu Plus, but just regular Hulu. It's like, do I ever use this? But it's so low, why does it matter? And people right. say that all the time. Ah. Uh, now I know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I'd say some of the more interesting ones are, I mean, so Amazon and Target, for example, these are stores that you can buy anything there mm-hmm. and people shop there all the time. And they just really, I just, I, you know, every time I go, I probably spend 40 or 50 bucks. And what we do is we look by merchant how much they've spent over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And they are shocked with how much they actually spend at these places on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, someone's like, I spent $2,000 on at Target over the past three months. I mean, you know, like, what am I buying? <laughs> you know, start, they start to question it where it's like, it's just $50 here, $50 there. When they see it in aggregate, it really has an impact mm-hmm. as opposed to just like that numbing one-off mm-hmm. transaction here and there. I know what it is. It's shoes. <laughs> shoes. Yeah. And undies every now and then. Underwear. I'm like, well, of course, Target, they've got the cheap underwear. Why wouldn't you go there? <laughs> right. And I mean, and parents too, you know, like it's we want to spend money. Mm-hmm. We, we want to have like good clothes for our kids or like yeah. fun clothes. And so I think it's hard for people to get out of there, out of stores. And I was I took my son to buy a pair of shoes and uh, we went to a sporting goods store mm-hmm. and the shoes are all the way in like the back wall, mm-hmm. right? And I was asking him, I was like, Charlie, why do you think they put the shoes? He's nine. Mm-hmm. Like, and we've been working on money stuff for a while. I was like, That's why good. do you think they put the shoes in the back? He's like, well, cause you know, a lot of people want them and they need the space back there. I was like, well, that's a good thought, but just pay attention to what we're walking by as we're walking toward the shoes. Yeah, they're wanting you to uh, think about the, I just started doing bath bombs with my four-year-old and I was like, oh, there's bath bombs next to the bubbles. Why wouldn't I buy this? And, like, <laughs> right. and they're all like $5. <laughs> a little or... thing, you know, and it's a numbed, it's a numbed experience because I thought it's only $3. It's not a big deal. But then you go to the end of the place and you're like, how did I spend $200 here? Right. Wow. Right. And then as we I'm diagnosing myself, by the way. (laughs) But it's important. It's just important. You know, like people can make whatever decisions they want. It's just the awareness, right? And as we're walking back from getting the shoes, you know, you're walking by all the athletic, the socks. Mm -hmm. Then you walk by all the sale items, the stuff Mm -hmm. that they want you to pick up on the way out. You know, once you've gotten your main thing. The toys. That's what the that toys. gets me with my four-year-old. She's like, mom, I want to show you something. And I'm like, I know what you want to show me. We're passing the toys. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's more just about being aware. Like what, like just gaining awareness. And if it's something that you value, great, get it. You know, okay. we, I'm not, we don't, I don't shame anybody for what they like or what they don't like, mm-hmm. but it's important to just be aware and prioritize this. This is that, that important to you. And if it is great, you make money to spend, you know, to live the life you want, but um, just make sure that you're not spending more than you need to because you're basically, one of my clients said just basically every time you spend money, you're transferring your wealth to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So like a dollar that could go in your bank account, you're basically giving it to somebody else, whether it's a company, whether it's a person, whatever. So you just have to make sure, is this worth it for me to transfer my wealth to somebody else? Mm-hmm. That's the real redistribution of wealth right. happening right there. Right, consumer, <laughs> right, being a consumer, right? Smart, smart thinking. Yeah. 
All right. Well, do you have any success stories that you want to share? Yeah. Um, I was working with this one couple, a local couple here, and they were, I think their spending was around, it was around $9,000 a month. And they had, they were, had all sorts of credit card debt. I think they were only making like $7,000 a month or 7,500 a month. Oh, so wow. They were so they were overspending, overspending what they were making. Wow. Yeah. And they were just kind of tired of it. Mm-hmm. And um, we were trying to figure out, first of all, they were like, I don't know if we can do, we can afford to do this process. I was like, look, I promise that if you sign up and work with me, we're going to find well in excess mm-hmm. of, the, of what you of spend on me, right? Right, of the <laughs> money. But not only that, but like, you're going to get along with your with your spouse, like you're going to get along, you're going to communicate about money. And this is an annuity. This is money that's going to come into your bank account every month, mm-hmm. not just a one-time thing if you get these habits set up. So after working with them, we we really found a lot of a lot of things that they wanted to cut back on. A lot of it was food, right? Mm-hmm. Clothing. Um, and there were a couple home improvement projects here and there that they just wanted to do. Um, and by the end of it, we had worked together and we had gone from a $1,500 a month deficit to a thousand dollar a month savings, right? Oh, wow! So that thousand dollars a month, they were able to wipe out all their credit card debt mm-hmm. that they had done, um, that they had accumulated, and now they freed up that payment. Now they're putting more money into their retirement. They're communicating about money, um, and it just sort of really transformed their relationship because they never mm-hmm. talked about money. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably a stressor, anxiety, so avoid the topic altogether. <laughs> right? They avoided exactly. They avoided mm-hmm. it. There was a big stressor in their relationship. Now they get along with money and we, I check in and they're still, they're still doing great. Um, and they feel like they don't, when they're making choices about money, they feel much, they, they have a lot more enjoyment and happiness in the purchases that they're, they're making. Partnership now. Partnership, <laughs> right. And, and I mean, there's the, there's the money transformation and then there's the relationship transformation. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I like working with budgets is because it's, it's really personal, right? It's, yeah. it's really it, it really does develop the, enhance the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another couple, they just could not stop arguing. They didn't value the other, like, I think it was a traditional example of like the, the wife spent money on shoes and the husband spent money on like new electronics mm-hmm. and they just did not understand each other. And, um, in the end we didn't, we, I think they were spending about 11,000 a month and we were able to get them down to like 9,500 a month. Mm-hmm. But, and so they were able to save more, but beyond that, like they actually started getting along he's like, I'm really glad that you find enjoyment from these shoes. And she's like, you know, you can feel free to get this stuff because we have the extra money in the budget now. Yeah. Cause they felt more safe to do it. Yeah. I don't think people realize how, well, I think they do. First of all, I was going to say, I don't think people realize how much stress money puts on them if they don't feel in control of it. But actually I think they're very aware and that's why people do the two things. So when people are anxious, they either avoid the topic or Mm -hmm. they try to control every factor associated with it. And so you're kind of just showing two dynamics there with some couples. They just, we can never talk about money because it's always going to be a fight and you want to do your thing and I want to do my thing. And you're kind of bringing people together in these conversations or with the people who are trying to control everything, but they're not controlling the right things. Yeah. <laughs> when you're working from anxiety, it's hard to do it that way. <laughs> right. It's just not a good way to live life. I mean, mm-hmm. do, I mean, for anyone who wants to live their life having stress around not having enough money or like spending more than what they're making or about what they're making and having the relationship walk on eggshells around money. I mean, that's just not a very fulfilling way to live life. And mm-hmm. so, you know, cleaning up the budget, cleaning up the spending, communicating about money, it solves a lot of problems in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's why I love it. 
Yeah. And it adds to people's quality of life, which also reduces stress. I think, you know, in my job, my job is to help people reduce stress a lot of times. But like I've really been focusing more of my attention on quality of life mm-hmm. because really when people are happier and living healthier lives, then the stress goes down because they're engaging in activities that make them feel good. Yeah. You know, and so I just think you're doing the same thing, only giving them the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of like the numbers are just a byproduct of their psychology and their emotions. We can call you a numbers guru. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess that's that's a little little strong. (laughs) All right. Well, so we're towards the end of the episode. Are there any final things you want people to know about you or your company or even how to find you, that sort of thing? Yeah. So my website's Mm familybudgetexpert.com. Pretty easy. And I do have a free training on there. It's like a five- email training that people can go through and see if they can do this on their own too. A lot of times people, they go through this process, this free training on the website, and they say, it gives them sort of like trying to get them small steps to know that they can do it, build the confidence. And they either take that and run with it on their own, or at the end, they're like, I want to do this more and Mm -hmm. I want more. So then they reach out to me. Um, yeah, so familybudgetexpert.com, you can, they can download the free training or um, reach out to me and we can set up a, a free discovery session. There's no obligation. As I mentioned before, I turn people down <laughs> sometimes if they're not ready. Right? You have to be special to become one of your clients. Well, just, I mean, it's, it's more like they feel like it's something they should do, but it's just not time for them. I understand. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I've been at this for about three years and I've been getting better and better at it. And mm-hmm. uh, I just love seeing that transformation in their in people's relationships too so it's really it's really a lot of fun well thank you so much for coming on the yeah, show and explaining it yeah. um and of course uh you've been listening to www.aboutsexpodcast now i know that it's funny i'm doing a lot of episodes this week that aren't about sex but the truth is even in my own podcast i care very much about a lot of topics related to relationships sex and health and happiness so finances are just as important to your health as sex is and that if you aren't fighting about s- finances, maybe you'll have a little more sex. So I just want to throw that one in there. (laughs) But anyhow, if you want to find me, visit www.therapistinstlouis.com. And you can also check out my books, Helping Couples Overcome Infidelity or Premarital Counseling at Amazon. And then of course, feel free to email your questions to aboutsexpodcast at gmail.com and we may answer them online. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu. With me today has been Rob Bertman and stay kinky, St. Louis.